Hey, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the first episode of The Hendersonville Show. My name is Brandon Allfriend, and today I had the honor of speaking with Andy Gilley, former teacher, alderman, and current director of the Hendersonville Parks and Rec Department. Over the past few years, Andy has played an integral part in developing some of our newest parks and bringing some awesome events here to Hendersonville. Today, we discuss a day in the life of the Parks Department, upcoming events, new parks, and of course, Ron Swanson. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of The Hendersonville Show featuring Andy Gilley. Andy, we are live on the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Um, So I got to ask you right out of the gate, do you identify more with Ron Swanson or Leslie Nope, if you're familiar with NBC's Park and Rec? <laughs> uh, well, my staff uh, for National Bosses Day put about 150 pictures of Ron Swanson in various locations throughout our office that we still f- find occasionally every day. And I have the Pyramid of Greatness up on the wall. There you go. That's, that's a John picture, Wooden so. thing, right? No, it's the Parks and Rec Pyramid of Greatness. Oh, the Parks and Rec. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, so, so you're more of the Ron Swanson type. I would say so, probably. He's uh, probably my favorite character in that show. <laughs> so I, I got to ask, that that's obviously a, a TV show. It's a comedy. Is that resemblant at all of what your day job looks like? And if not, what like what what is it that the parks and rec department does? Cause I know there's a lot under your belt. You know, every, the good thing about this office and this uh, park system is that every day is different. Uh, we always kind of joke that one phone call can definitely change your whole day based on problems that may come up or issues you have to handle. Uh, I kind of call it organized chaos. Sometimes we've got so many different things going on in different places and, um, you know, every day is different. There are some things, obviously, that are scheduled daily. We have league activities and programs and events. Um, however, those can all turn on the blink of an eye, if, if depending on the weather, depending on certain situations that come up. So what, what kind of things, like what circumstances would come up? Like what's the craziest thing you guys have had to deal with? <laughs> Um, I mean, you, you name it, whether it be a, a raccoon and a, in a shelter that you got to get rid of before a wedding or, or, uh, more serious type things as, as far as having to remove somebody from an event because they can't act right or, um, discipline issues, weather plays a large part in everything that we do. You know, our, our maintenance staff yesterday, we, we had a hundred over a hundred teams in here trying to finish a tournament and it, it kept, it would rain, we'd get fields ready and it would rain again. So that just a lot, all kinds of circumstances that can change what we do. So you just kind of on call all day to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. I, I remember yesterday it was my wife and I decided to take our two kids to Mary's magical place right before the torrential downpour started. So mm-hmm. the nice thing was there was nobody there and we just had the place to ourselves, but it was, it was a, a bit of a nightmare from a rain standpoint. Yeah, for sure. So shifting gears a little bit to the events, I know the parks department is like, you play an integral role in a lot of the events that come to town. We had, you know, hometown jam recently. We had the 4th of July festival. Um, Sumner fest is coming up. I saw next month. So 
like what it, what is that like uh, getting to plan all of that stuff and and coordinate all of that? Well, you have to have a lot of help um, with with just those ones that you named. We had a lot of help from the community in putting all those together, whether it be from the Chamber of Commerce or from local uh, charity groups that that are used to to put those events together. We couldn't do it by ourselves. We don't have the manpower and the staff to do all that. Um, our staff, we have we have a kind of what we call a special events team that really has come together over the last two to three years in terms of knowing exactly what we need to do ahead of time to have things in place where it, where it comes off as this everybody knows what everybody's doing. Sometimes there may be things go wrong that the public doesn't even know about, but hopefully we we are able to cover that up with uh, putting together good events. Those that you listed are some of the best events anywhere around here, honestly, outside of Nashville. We, we you know, we're not going to have 400,000 people in Hendersonville like Nashville downtown does. But, uh, you know, I'll put our, our community events up against anybody around here. Yeah, I mean, that that's one thing that really impresses me, just the, the amount of stuff that happens. Um and just the the talent, the musical talent and, and everything that, that comes in with that. Um, I mean, there's so much around here, so it's great that we're able to get that and, and embrace it, but that's awesome. Which, uh, which event is your favorite, like to both to attend or, and then to organize, and maybe that's one of the same. Uh, you know, our, our hometown jam events, I think the public really has latched onto. Um, just because of what you mentioned, we're able to tap into a lot of local, bigger named artists and let them play at home. And it's not just the music, it's not just the artists, it's a lot of times the management and the crews and the all the people that go along with those shows, they enjoy getting to do things at home and sleeping in their own bed. Um, the, so those are, those are fun to give those opportunities to the community where you're not having to drive downtown, pay $40 to park. Mm-hmm. pay $150 for dinner and $75 for a ticket at Bridgestone. We were able to kind of do some of those things here and that, that that's fulfilling. Um, my, my favorite to attend is our Christmas tree lighting ceremony, honestly. Oh yeah. That, uh, that's uh that to me, I'm, I'm a big Christmas guy and that, that, uh, that to me sig- signals the beginning of, a, of the holiday Christmas season and, We've loved getting to do that and expand on it and make it even better. And this this year, we're going to actually do the parade and the tree lighting on the same day. So after the parade goes down the street, we hope everybody comes down to the park and sees the tree get lit. So I have not had the privilege of attending that yet, and probably just due to having two little kids, and it's mm-hmm. not always conducive with the cold weather. Um, where, so where where is that located? Is that over at Memorial Park? Memorial Park, where our, our uh, city tree display is, that, that'll be where we'll have that. Gotcha. And then you have the lights and stuff that, that you can drive through, and that, that's mm-hmm. always a great experience. There, it seems like just with the park, so you have Memorial Park, Drake's Creek, and then which kind of ties into Mary's Magical Place. There, there's a lot. And then Sanders Ferry Park is, is an excellent venue. Um, that's like a mile from my house. So I, I love that there's you know big events and, and a lot going on there. Um, I, I was curious if there's any like plans on the agenda for any new parks or any, any places to tap into. I know you were fairly integral in the development of Mary's magical place, you know, two, three years ago. So we have, um, the Beatty farm property that the city just purchased, um, three years ago. That's on the Indian Lake peninsula. 
that is 73 acres that's half open farmland and half hillside that's conducive to walking and biking trails. So we will we'll expect to get that online and opened up to the public for different activities within the next five years, hopefully. Okay. Um, also out off Saundersville Road, um, as part of the negotiations for the Forest Park development, there's a large portion of property that was that will be donated to the city for parkland that again will be conducive to more of a hiking and biking and trail type atmosphere. Um, so those are two things that we don't really have a lot of. I mean, two two places where we don't where we're able to address some things that we don't really have a lot of in terms of bike trails mm-hmm. and places to hike and, and get out away from just active baseball, softball, soccer. So I'm looking forward to getting both of those. It, it'll take some time. I mean, the thing about developing new parks is money. But Mary's Magical Place was different. You, you had a, a powerhouse team of fundraisers that raised a million and a half dollars almost from the community and just handed that gift to the city to build a wonderful pl- playground. It's different when we're having to budget for it with just city dollars to open parks up. Gotcha. And so what kind of stuff, so Beatty's Farm, that's obviously a big one. You got a lot of houses around there over on the peninsula. Like what, what's going to be part of that? Is that just going to be sort of green space and, and hiking trails isn't really something we have a lot of. I mean, you get a little bit of that at Sanders Ferry Park and, and you have the Greenway, of course. Part, part, of, part of that plan is to be similar to Sanders Ferry. Um, you know, the way our traffic is in the city, sometimes it takes like 30 minutes just to get to Sanders Ferry Park from the middle of town. So it'll be good to have that kind of atmosphere in a different place. Um, but there'll be, there will be um, the potential for learning opportunities for playgrounds, for an amphitheater type setting out there. Um, there there's all kinds of things that could evolve just depends on funds and, and when we can do it out at the Beatty Farm. There's a lot of opportunities to have a green space area that's more passive. Most of our parks are active. Um, so to have that passive park space, but also be able to have some activities is going to be good. We've kind of started to use Sanders Ferry for more activities here within the last couple of years. And I, I think everybody's kind of opening their eyes to what a hidden secret that's been down there. That for place a long is time. amazing. Um, I mean, it's not the most central location compared to say Drake's Creek, but it, it's a beautiful setting. Absolutely. Lovely, lovely place. People go there all the time to have weddings. Uh, we've been able to turn it into a good concert venue. We've had the state cross country meet there. We're about to do a total renovation of our disc golf course there. So a lot of good things happening at Sanders Ferry. So on a related note to piggyback off of that, I read you were an econ major in college. Is that correct? Uh, accounting and finance with the minor in econ. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So I, I'm kind of an econ nerd. I'm curious to know, like with these events and these parks and everything that we're doing, like what is like, what's the benefit to the community? Cause I imagine there's like, have you ever calculated the ROI on that? Cause I suspect like you do an event and that brings people from all over and just brings awareness, like helps out the restaurants and, and everything, not to mention home values. Right. So it, it's, it is hard to put a hard dollar number on economic impact. We talk about that a lot in city meetings and amongst city staff. Uh, but without question, these events, when you bring them in, are helping not just community pride, but they're helping, like you said, our businesses 
um, it's in the millions of dollars a year that the events that we have in the city bring to the total picture of economic impact. Um, you know, for a, for a concert that's just attended by mainly Hendersonville residents or a tree lighting ceremony, you know, you're not going to get in the millions of dollars return on that. But if that's balanced out by like last week when we had 154 softball teams in town and they're all staying in hotels and eating in restaurants all week, that it goes that, that those type of events go way above what the average economic return would be for a special event. So it's very much a balancing act. You want to invest your resources in your community also because those type things are just good for the community. But you also want to make sure you invest your resources in bringing in stuff that is going to have direct dollar impact for the businesses also. And that that's like like the softball. It was a softball tournament last week, correct? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, but I there's there's got to be some like intangible value in like the Christmas tree lighting and that sort of thing. I mean, it's a it's a pride issue for the community. You know, definitely the, the Freedom Festival. You know, we had five, six, however many thousand people at the park. There's there was some not from our city there, but th that helped the restaurants. But did our city did did people give us money? No, the city didn't make any money off of that event directly. But, you know, the pride factor of having that type of event here and people looking forward to it, you, you can't put a dollar amount on that. Yeah, I think for me personally, it's like just having that stuff to look forward to every couple months just makes you want to live in a town. Whereas if you were to go to, you know, fill in the blank around here that doesn't have something like that. Um, I mean, I think from my knowledge, like Nashville is the only thing that could compete with the events that we have. And you know, as fun as Nashville can be, it, it is, like you said, you have traffic and parking and, and everything else that you, you don't really have to deal with here, uh, which is correct. Incredible. Yeah, that's, that's one thing we're very cognizant of is trying to give people here. And, and you know, some of our partners, you, you listed um, Rock Castle on the sheet that we had before this. You know, that's not a city property, but that's a definite partner that the city invests in to help promote events and things for the community there. And we talk about that all the time. We wanna give people kind of a Nashville experience, but right here at home with everything that we do. I mean, I take a lot of pride in doing it the best we can, no matter what, we're not gonna kind of halfway do anything. So we, we wanna give people, like you said, something to look forward to. When they hear, when they hear that something's coming up, I want them to say, oh, I can't, we gotta make sure we go to that. Put that on our calendar. Put that on the calendar, exactly. Yeah. Do you do you guys coordinate the uh, the singer songwriter fest over at Rock Castle? Because I know that's like their big summer thing. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, Sam Gilbert does all that with with uh, Rock Castle. He's the caretaker there, and he kind of creates those events. We've had some city events where where we have coordinated those. We had one with um, Josh Miranda and friends last year that was at Rock Castle, where we had him and Dustin Lynch and Adam Sanders and Ernest. Um, but that, uh, for his songwriter night, Sam does all that. Sam and I are good friends and we talk, you know, we'll give each other heads up on people we think might fit good for different events. And the, his songwriter nights are great community events that, you know, I'm not even in today's time, it's hard to get the word out about anything. Advertising and, and getting word out is very, very difficult. We'll run into people all the time that say, I'd never even heard that was happening. Really? And, you and you would think like, with social media, it's, it's, it'd be 
easier. Like I, yeah. I follow, I follow your department on Facebook. I have for a number of years and it's mm-hmm. like, that's the go-to place to get stuff. But yeah, but you know, we, we got a town of 60,000 and I think we're right at like 7,000 Facebook followers. So, if, you know, there's 53,000 people that may not know what's going on, depending on what else they follow or where it gets shared to or algorithms or craziness. So, and our, our park advertising budget is about a thousand dollars for the year. So it's not like we're going to be going out and buying billboards and different things. We rely a lot on word of mouth and people's experiences. And that honestly, that's probably the best way to do it. Just grow it organically and, and see what sticks. Now, now let me ask you this, when it comes to event planning and like finding, like you mentioned a lot of big names like Dustin Lynch, you had Tyler Farr a couple of weeks ago at hometown mm-hmm. jam. How do you like, how do you find this talent? Is it, you know, a lot of these guys live here in Hendersonville or in the surrounding areas, but um, like, what is that process like? You know, we are blessed to have a lot of artists that live here. Um, but we're also blessed to have a lot of agents and booking managers that live here or merch people that have, uh, you know, you, you hear the term uh, seven degrees of separation, but around Nashville, it's like one degree of separation. So I've been blessed in my life to have some good friends that are pretty well connected in the music industry. Um, you know, I, I don't mind making a phone call to see if somebody's available. A lot of times it's just to ask, you, you know, you never, you know, don't ever know what's going to happen unless you ask somebody in the case of like Tyler Farr, he, him and Colin Ray and, and the uh, Josh Marinda and um, Megan Patrick, Dylan Carmichael and Ryman, they all did the show that we had at Sanders Ferry. And it was for a great cause, uh, the Jay and Zeke foundation. And they kind of bought into that personally and, we're able to pull off a show like that for not near what it would cost to, to do that in, in other places. A lot so they of actually worked together. You, you weren't coordinating, you know, well, no, I was, we were coordinating, we were coordinating, but you know, we, they, they, they all were in it for the right reason. Gotcha. And a lot of times we have to do when it's have, when we have bigger name people like that, we have to do it on like a Tuesday or, or Wednesday night to give them the opportunity to, to do it where they don't have to skip a huge paid date out of town on a Friday or Saturday. That's been a question that's come up. Why do y'all do those on Tuesdays or, well, if we want to get those people sometimes that's when we have to do it. That makes sense. Cause they're doing the big concerts elsewhere. They're on the road, that sort of thing. Correct. That makes sense. So when, when working with these guys, like who is, who's the most interesting person you've got to meet or have a conversation with? And I'll, I'll preface this with a brief story. When I was in college, I worked at our, our uh, like event center where the basketball team played. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I was basically a glorified janitor, um, but, <laughs> but you know, you got to meet some cool people. Um, the coolest person I met and I was thrilled at the time was Bill Cosby. And then that kind of went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He just got brag. out of jail. Yeah, I don't want to brag, brag about, about that. It. I heard he's looking to be on podcast though, so maybe you can get him on as a guest. Yeah, maybe I'll call him up. I don't mm-hmm. know if he has any ties to Hendersonville, but I don't we'll make a connection. That. Um so, most interesting person since I've been in this job. Uh probably I'm gonna go with Ernest. Ernest Keith Smith. I forgive me. I don't know who that is. Ernest Keith Smith is a, a singer songwriter from Nashville. 
Uh, he played baseball. I actually coached baseball against his dad's teams at Lipscomb University, uh, Lipscomb High School when he was growing up. Okay. But uh, he so he played baseball, and then after he kind of got through playing baseball, he became a, a rapper, and now he's basically a country music songwriter. He went by the name of Snow when he was rapping, and now his real name is Ernest Keith Smith, and he just goes by Ernest. And he's probably written some of the biggest uh, songs that you've heard of by a guy named Morgan Wallen. Okay, yeah. And, but, he, but he's also written number ones for, for Chris Lane. Um, he's got a song out right now by Kane Brown. He's got all kinds of songs out there. But his character and his ability to perform and the way he commands a crowd in a in like a songwriter setting is pretty amazing. And he's just got some interesting stories about how he moved to the Bahamas. I mean, to uh, St. Thomas to kind of find what he wanted to do and then came back and started writing. It's, it's an interesting career to, to hop on and follow. Um, that's probably my most interesting character that we've run across. Yeah, I mean, definitely he's got to be talented to, to do rap and then super talented. the country and then he's the songwriting. Super talented. Yeah. He's super talented. I'll have to look him question. up on, on Spotify or, you know, wherever. So Ernest, he just goes by Ernest. That's it. He just goes by Ernest. I yeah. love it. I love yeah. it. Um, all right. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and I'm curious if you know anything, this has been like a question that, so I live on the, the Walton Ferry Peninsula. And so this mm -hmm. is a question out there. Are there like, what is, what's the status of the, the bike paths in the greenway? Because there's, you, you've seen these signs for a number of years, like here's this master plan. And I assume it, it's just got to be budget. Like that stuff's not cheap. And if you drive down Saunders Ferry road, you're like, there's no way you're putting a bike path on here. There's just, there's no space. Yeah. So that, uh, the Sanders Ferry Greenway has been a kind of a hot topic. You need to, that'd be something you get your two aldermen and the mayor on your podcast to talk about more so yeah, than me. Definitely. You know, when it, once it gets outside the park, it becomes a public works issue when it comes to greenways. So we, we maintain the greenway sections that are actually inside the parks. Okay. The ones that are outside the parks becomes a whole different ball of wax. Um, I do know that, to my knowledge, the Sanders Ferry Greenway has been engineered and is, I believe, ready to go out to bid as a project. Um, I know there was just, there's just been this huge say no to the rezone campaign that you've probably seen all the signs on. Your yeah, peninsula. a lot of signs. You know, part, part of what those developers were trying to offer was to build the actual greenway uh, and keep it off the city's books, but I, I don't know that that will pass um i would guess not probably uh, by the time this by the time you put this out we'll know if it passed or not yeah exactly but, uh, um the, i think the money is there to do it i think it's a, it's also a state project where they have to work with tdot and the corps of engineers to to work on that so it's uh there's a lot of grant work involved in that project where the city pays a portion and the state pays a portion i think it's a lot closer than it was 15 or 20 years ago to happening. Uh, I hope that it happens. I think we need that connectivity throughout the city and not just the Santa Ferry area, but uh, hopefully eventually all our greenways can connect to each other. Um, there's a component of it that they had to re-engineer because they were wanting to kind of do a, like a floating greenway over the water area. So I, Oh, really? Yeah, that kind of gets outside my scope of expertise, but 
I, I, I mean, that, that sounds it's awesome. Still, still on the books, and there's a lot of there's a lot of neat things that could happen with that area if you have the connectivity to create kind of a boardwalk setting and take advantage of our our riverfront right there or lakefront. So ultimately, like what what would that look like? Because um, I mean, obviously you got Main Street and you, you can connect to Memorial and Drake's Creek, but then going up Sanders Ferry Road, would it is the ultimate plan to get to Sanders Ferry Park? I believe so. That that would be the ultimate plan would be to connect all the way to Sanders Ferry. Gotcha. Have that, that lakefront greenway type setting beside the road there. And would it be like all along the road? Obviously, there's you got a bunch of houses on there too. Do you know anything? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. Or? I'm not sure the exact specifics of what that would look like. Gotcha. Um, enough to be dangerous is what I know about it. Yeah, fair enough. It's um, it, it sounds like an incredible undertaking, but from my perspective, it's you know, we can look at it. Oh, this is going to cost fifteen million dollars or whatever. But maybe ten years from now, twenty years from now our kids will look back and say like, wow, this is awesome that you guys put this investment in it. You know, it's something that, that will live in this town forever. So. It's, I mean, it's similar to other projects. You know, you, you, you swallow the pill of the rigid of the cost on the front end, but it lasts for years and years and years and nobody even remembers what it costs. They just know they get to enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. You get this return on investment over time, which is incredible. Um, I, I guess one one last question for you, it, you know, if there is one thing that you could do in Hendersonville, like if you were mayor for a day or maybe, maybe, maybe King for a day, we can go that, like what, <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you do? What would you decree as a, uh, as King Andy of Hendersonville? Well, I would give the parks all the money. <laughs> At the, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Like parks are awesome. No, no. Um, Ron Swanson would disagree. You know, King for a day is a scary thing to even think about. <laughs> um, you know, if I, if I could do that, I, we, we would have turf fields everywhere and new lights and new parking lots and added facilities. And, and we wouldn't charge anybody for any leagues that they played in. And then we would, and we would be ever live happily ever after that, you know, that we do all that. We're, we're a city that is um, a, a young city but also all our infrastructure is getting old at the same time when it comes to roads or parking lots or parks or buildings. You, you see that throughout the city. We're, we're kind of paying the price for not necessarily planning ahead sometimes. Uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, maybe there could have been some more plans put in place to keep things nice over time every year instead of what we're what we're having to do now is bite off these big chunks to fix things all at once and that keeps you from being able to grow and build new and nice things because we're fixing our old stuff so you know that that would be one thing i would do the other thing i would do is get rid of politics um i, I think we can all agree with that yeah you know it's uh if if, if we could figure out how to get everybody you, you don't want group think I, I think that's bad if you know if one person says every, it's something and everybody just always agrees with it that's bad but figuring out how to work together for a common good is something that needs to go on um, and that myself included sometimes I, you know it's easy to get caught up in disagreements and things that have gone on for a long time and 
not moving forward. And I think we all got to try to figure out ways to move forward together in a positive way. I, I think we can all agree with that. Um, I, I'm going to piggyback off of that for a moment, but politics, I, I read that. So you were I, I, not read. I remember you were an alderman prior to doing this job. So what, like, what was, what was that like? And then what ultimately prompted you to, to make the switch, you know, you know, being an alderman, I had no idea at the time, but there could not have been a better preparation for my current job than, than being an alderman. Because if, if I would have walked into this job, I was a teacher at Hendersonville High School for 18 years before I became the parks director. What'd you teach? I taught accounting and uh, keyboarding, taught people how to type. So if I would have just walked in here from the classroom and said, here I am, let's, let's go to work. I would not have known 90% of what I learned as an alderman, gotten to know the staff, the other departments, how things work politically, how to get things passed. Um, that, that, there was no greater preparation for this role than to be an alderman. That, and it was a new challenge for me to learn about our city and be able to help people in ways that I had never thought about helping. I'd never thought about helping somebody with a drainage issue before. Mm. So that, that was, that's fulfilled to me. It was fulfilling and, and we had a good time. I had a great partner. Steve, Steve Brown was my other ward four alderman partner. Okay. And we, we worked together uh, that, you know, at the time, we, we weren't, we were fortunate. There wasn't always every ward has two aldermen, you know, and not always do they get along, but we were able to get a lot of things done because we were able to work together for the, for better. Um, and, do, and do the, do the aldermen for a ward like have more control over that ward specifically, or is it still like a majority? Rule? No, it's still, uh, it still takes seven votes to get anything. You know, it does. It, we, we might think that our road being paved is the most important thing in the whole city, but seven people got to agree to that. Um, but at least at that point, you guys aren't canceling each other out. Um, no, not canceling two out people and, with the same vested interest. And I, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I know when I was up there voting, if it wasn't in my area, I put great weight into what the people in that ward said. If they, if they were for, if something was happening in their area and they were for it or against it, that if to me, it really didn't matter either way, I tried to look at what, what they wanted over there because they're representing those people that live over there. That's a great way to look at it. It's not, you know, taking sides and I'll, I'll give you this vote if you give me that vote, you know, and I know that's definitely a part of politics, but uh, more people should definitely think like that. I love it. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it was a fun, fun time for me. I, I enjoyed the work. Um, it's not all fun, but it, but that whole period as a whole was a good, good time in my life for sure. Was, what about the election process? Was that um, stressful, exciting? Like if you had to pick one word to describe that. Um, stressful is good. I really didn't know exactly what I was getting into when I, when I started that. So you know, I'm, I'm outgoing to a degree, but I'm not a big knock on the stranger's door person. So that was, that was not easy for me to do, but how, once I started doing it and listening to people's actual concerns, I think it was very helpful. Um, but yeah, it's not fun, man. There's nothing fun to me about a local political election. 
there's just too too much um, going after people and just attacking uh, from what I've seen. Uh, you know, some races are not like that, which are good, but mm-hmm. it's that 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 to me is not even fun to even read about on social media and different. It gets so old to see all the the hate and attack. Um, I just hope going. I hope on these next few processes that we can get some positivity and just highlight what you're good at and not try to tear down the other person. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the ultimate goal. There is, I, I think too much negativity, but hopefully we're, we're getting over that. I mean, I even noticed the mailers that would come and it's like negative campaign ads versus for the other aldermen. It's like, come on people. It's a local race. We're all pro Hendersonville. Um, but there was, there yeah, was a lot of there's that not, sure. I, I've not known one person either on either any side of anything in these local races that doesn't love our city and want to do good. Everybody want, everybody wants to see the best. We all might have different ideas of how to get there, but mm-hmm. um, there's nobody that doesn't want the best for our city. So I, I just hope going forward that we see a little bit of a change in how people go about their business when it comes to that. And, I try to keep our department from getting in the middle of that. Sometimes we're, we're used politically. Um, and that's okay. It's, it's a political arena, so to speak. And, but the thing about parks is if we look good, then everybody looks good. In many ways, you guys are like the face of maybe not the face of the city, but like just so representative of, of who we are as a town. Right. (laughs) A lot of people, a lot of people come to Hendersonville for their, for the schools and the parks uh, and the lake. I'd say those are the three things that that bring people here. Convenience is is another one, but we touch a lot of people on a daily basis in our department. And it's important that, that we, we always remember that we have to have good attitudes and try to put on a good face for the city because it, a lot of times this is our own, this is the only thing that people know of in our city they may come here from nashville murfreesboro gulletsville out of state and the only thing they're going to do is get off exit seven drive into drake's creek park and go to a hotel and restaurant and go home Mm -hmm. so it's important that we put a good a good picture together for them of what our city is all about that's a good message and i i I think with that we'll we'll close it but i'm curious if you had any closing comments any asks for the community i know you know events are a big part of what we do so if you don't mind just taking a moment telling us about some of the upcoming things that people should be yeah we got uh, i don't know quite when this will air but august 21st we're going to have a whiskey jam hendersonville hometown jam on the lake at rock castle that's going to be a fun time Um, awesome that's august 21st where people can vote in and, and see a concert there on the lake and then Who, uh, who's headlining that? Are you allowed I to? Can't, uh, just... I can't tell you yet. Okay. You yet. It must be someone big. But just the term uh, whiskey jam is a, brings about a, a whole party in itself. Um, so that's going to be a good time. Um, November 6th, we just announced that we have the Hendersonville Pig Festival. Which I is saw gonna, that. Going to combine uh, our department along with the Facebook group Eat Hendersonville holiday fest and the meat sweats and an activity we have called the parking pallet we're going to raise try to raise a lot of money for mary's magical place and for christmas for kids so that's going to involve a barbecue competition uh, the parking pallet where people can paint the parking spots at mary's magical place 
Uh, we will have a Hendersonville hometown jam event that night. Um, and will that, that take just, place at Mary's magical place? No, that, that will be, uh, there's a, there's a venue behind ultimate party on Gallatin road that we, we had one there last year. Okay. And, uh, that that's where that will be at nighttime, but there will be live music during the day also at Mary's magical place and vendors. And we look for that to be a really huge event. So any, anything we can do to get the word out about that, I want to let people know about. I mean, that, that sounds incredible. A playground combined. I mean, that, that's like the most epic playground I've ever seen. <laughs> it's crazy. Fine with sure. music and barbecue. Um, I'll definitely be there. Yeah. I would just encourage people to follow our, our Facebook and Instagram pages because that's where we make a lot of announcements. Uh, it's at Hville parks and fo- following that is the best way to hear about all of our events and leagues and registrations and, different things that people can get involved in. Perfect. Well, I'll put those links in the show notes for everybody. And, um, you know, that, that's probably the best way to reach you. So uh, thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate this. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who tuned in to the first episode of the Hendersonville show. And thank you to Andy Gilley for joining us today. Now I'd like to leave you with a few words from President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There is nothing so American as our national parks. The scenery and the wildlife are native. The fundamental idea behind the parks is native. It is in brief that the country belongs to the people that is in the process of making for the enrichment of the lives of us all. The parks stand as the outward symbol of the great human principle.